The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. When Jesus had risen early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told his companions, who were mourning and weeping, and when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. After this, he appeared in another form to two of them walking along on their way to the country. They returned and told the others, but they did not believe them either. But later, as the eleven were at table, he appeared to them and rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they had not believed those who saw him after he had been raised. He said to them, Go into the whole world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. The gospel of the Lord. Our readings today place before us a twin set of examples of hearts that are hardened and reluctant to believe. And this is done for a very particular reason, something that has to do with the very essence of the experience of the church of Christ risen from the dead. One of the remarkable things about the resurrection is the way it is made known to the world. On Good Friday, the death of Jesus is a public event. Thousands of people literally watch it happen. And so the dying of Jesus is no secret. He hangs on the cross for all to see. His suffering is visible. His failure is visible. His death is visible. It's well known. It's not hidden at all. And if we just pause over that reality, aren't those the very things in our own lives that we want to hide? We don't want the world to see our failure. We don't want the world to see our pain, our woundedness, our falling short. In fact, when we're heartbroken, when we're depressed, when we're wounded, what do we tend to do? We withdraw so that no one except maybe a chosen handful, actually see us. Curiously, however, the Lord does all of that before our eyes. And then the thing we would like to make obvious, our success, our victory, our triumph, our accomplishments, we like it when those are known, don't we? We want those things to stand out. And the interesting thing, however, is the resurrection of Jesus is not a public event in the way his crucifixion and death were. Nobody, in fact, ever sees him leave the tomb. Even when the angel rolls the stone away, as we read in St. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus has already left. It's remarkable. No one sees him rise. 
And one would think if his death would be a matter of public witness and public record, we would think he would want his resurrection to be equally public, that his victory would be equally apparent, that he would shine forth for the whole world to see, and yet, curiously, he's pleased not to do that. Rather, he's pleased to let the world know about his resurrection not by showing the world his risen glory directly, but by sending a handful of witnesses to go and communicate it. As far as modern messaging goes, this is about the worst strategy you could imagine. Jesus could easily show his glory to the world, and yet he chooses not to. He trusts that testimony to a handful of people. And that's the issue now that we see in our readings today, that this handful of people run right up against the difficulty the world has in accepting their witness, however true it is. So we see in our first reading this odd incident with Peter and John and the man that they healed and the religious authorities and leaders who are preoccupied about this, not because a healing happened, but because they don't want Jesus to get the credit for it. And so what do we hear them say? We can't deny that the miracle happened because everybody knows it did. So we can't deny it but we want them to stop talking about it. Notice how strange this is. They admit a miraculous healing happened in the name of Jesus, and then they say, but we will not accept it, and we don't want anyone else to know about it, because if they do, they'll accept it. It is a remarkably stubborn statement a stubbornness that one finds running through the history of the people of God from the very beginning. The Lord will work great miracles, and shortly after he does so, the people act as if it never happened. The people will cry out for salvation and forgiveness and healing, and it is given to them, and immediately they set it aside, wanting something else. And so we see here these oddly hardened hearts because believing in this means I have to change how I think about things. I have to change how I see the world. I have to change how I understand myself, and I won't do that for anybody. And while it's not said directly, the additional add-on add phrase is, I won't do it for anybody even God. I will not change. What a remarkable stubbornness. And so they go out of their way to drag the apostles in and to threaten them. And it's a remarkably futile gesture. Let's give them a stern talking to, and that will solve the issue. We will warn them not to speak of this name again. And Peter's answer is, I just healed a guy in that name. 
What do you mean, never speak it again? I have stood with him, eaten with him, visited with him after he rose from the dead. And you want me to pretend that that didn't happen? To act as if I don't know that? To live as if that doesn't matter? So note Peter's response. I have to live according to the truth that I know. And I'm not going to pretend to live any other way. Note the boldness of that witness. I know the Lord is victorious and I will live in the light of his victory. I know the Lord has conquered death and I will live according to that. And if I know that, what makes you think any threat you can give me is going to take that away? If Jesus overcame death, if Jesus saved the world, do you really think all of this is going to stop because you don't like it? What a powerful answer St. Peter gives. But he gives this powerful answer because of what happened to him several weeks earlier. And we hear that in the Gospel reading. Jesus appears to Mary Magdalene and sends her to the apostles. And she comes to them and says, I've seen him. He is alive and victorious. And they don't believe, including this same St. Peter, whose testimony right now is so bold and so strong. He doesn't believe. Jesus appears to two others. Notice how slow this is and how partial this is. He doesn't show himself even to all the apostles at first. He shows himself to others who are not of their immediate number and sends them to the apostles as his witnesses. And the apostles themselves cannot bring themselves to accept this testimony, cannot bring themselves to accept this news. And so we see here that there's something about the proclamation of the resurrection that is also very difficult, including on the part of those who should be the first to believe. So we pause on this for a second. And just think about your own experience of having been disappointed. Your own experience of someone letting you down. Your own experience of maybe even disappointing yourself. And when the disappointment is great and it stings and wounds us, it's really hard to trust afterwards, isn't it? When someone repeatedly breaks promises to me, when someone repeatedly lets me down, when I, despite my best intentions, keep committing the same mistakes over and over and over again, it becomes hard even to believe in myself. And someone could come up and say, no, things are better than that. And what is our reaction? No, it can't be. I know how bad it is. I know how wrong things are. This is part of what the apostles and the others are struggling with. They saw everything come crashing down. They had such great hopes in Jesus. They had such great hopes in themselves. 
Peter has the sting of his denial of Jesus. He thought his faith was strong, and it wasn't. They thought Jesus was the answer, and it looks like that's not the case. And so these others come with this wonderful news, and that sting of disappointment in their hearts says, it can't possibly be right. It can't possibly be that good. It can't possibly be true. You're just pretending. Note how hard it really is to accept the word of victory. The word of defeat, that's an easy thing. The word of disappointment, that's an easy thing. The word of frustration, that's an easy thing. We don't even need any help accepting that. It's natural. But this word, the word of his victory, that requires a significant movement of the human heart, especially among those first witnesses. And this is how Jesus is going to spread the word through these people who have such a hard time believing. And so it is, it takes Jesus himself appearing to them. And as he appears to them, his first word to them is a rebuke. He scolds them. He calls them out for their willingness to live inside their fear for their willingness to make their disappointment the law over their lives and their hearts. The fact that they close their hearts to joy even though they fool themselves saying what we want is peace and joy and goodness. And yet when the word of goodness is given to them, that word of negativity that lives in their hearts speaks and says, no, I'm not going to receive it. And so the Lord actually has to help his church receive this news, receive this word. And he does so precisely so that Peter and the others who had such trouble believing themselves would not be surprised when they go out into a world that is slow to accept, reluctant to change, hostile to the word it says it wants all along. The forcefulness of Peter's proclamation comes out of how difficult a time he had in accepting and believing news so great. And that's the other thing. After 2,000 years of the church proclaiming the resurrection, we believers alive today have to be very careful that our statement that Jesus is risen from the dead isn't just another thing that we say. Another detail that we memorize and study in our catechism classes. Because this is not about mere information. This is about a victory that changes everything, including us. This is the victory upon which everything we have as the people of God is founded. That's why it's so hard for the world to accept. Because it's a great thing. And great things are never easy to accept. Great things are never easy to understand. If all this is as a little detail, we trivialize this mystery out of which everything we have emerges. 
But Jesus is, in fact, risen from the dead, and that means everything about the world, everything about the universe is different. It means that this is a victory that touches every human life on this planet that has ever lived or ever will live. It is a victory that determines the real state of man's relationship with God. It changes everything. And that's why we gather here. That's why we celebrate this great sacrament at this altar. Because in just a few minutes, just as he appeared to those 11 disciples, Jesus is going to be right here. Whether our hearts are quick to believe or hardened and slow to believe, he'll be here. And there may be some of us who feel a bit of rebuke through this gospel about our reluctance to accept and receive grace. And there are others who might be finding in ourselves the desire to do so, but we need help. And note that the Lord comes to help those who would receive him. And then there are those others who have received with joy this great proclamation, and the Lord comes to strengthen that. But note how beautiful that is. Quick to believe or slow to believe, the Lord comes. Opened heart or hardened heart, the Lord comes. One may be that person who helps others come to the faith, or one may be that person who needs someone to help him or her come to the faith. And the Lord comes. How absolutely wonderful that is. And so in just a few moments, from this altar, he will step forward to meet his people. And when this Mass is over, that people who have seen, touched, and received him here go back out into the world. And note, how does the world come to meet Jesus risen from the dead? Through you and through me. He's still pleased to get the word of his victory out into the world through simple witnesses like us. And so we pray and we ask for the grace to learn to witness with that strength and boldness of St. Peter a boldness that is actually founded upon the fact that this isn't always easy to accept. It isn't always easy to believe, but that's because it is the very greatest of things. Amen.